stick to the end, guys, because in the finale of this show, somebody is going to win this Black Cat number two virgin cover variant by J. Scott Campbell. Podcast number 33. Glad to be back at the table with Overstreet Price Guide Advisor, Jeff, the Golden Age Guru. How you feeling, dude? I'm feeling good, man, because it's always good to be in studio discussing just topics of our collectible, man. We're going to talk about SDCC, man, San Diego Comic-Con. I know it's not happening the way you wanted to happen, but it's still going on. You guys are going to get the information you need to just succeed with that process this year. And we're also going to talk about Walking Dead. That's right. We have some crazy stuff happening in the market this week. We also have some really exciting comic books coming out next month that we got to discuss, but not before the community hits that subscribe button. If they haven't already joined, because we talk a lot about collectibles and expensive paper on this show, you know we're talking about comic books. And hit that like button. You'd be doing us a solid. Let's jump right into this podcast with some Walking Dead hype. So there's a couple things. we got some Walking Dead panels that we're going to be excited to hear about at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. But let's talk about what they're doing for the stores. Robert Kirkman has gifted, gifted a gold and two silver covers of Negan Lives. So the title Walking Dead has ended, but the story is going to continue. And we know how much hype, how much excitement, how many people love this Negan character. And we're seeing sales of this gold foil of about $150 average and $50 for each silver. So that's a nice little chunk of change to help already struggling stores. Now, I'll remind everybody that a little before the release of this, which, by the way, a lot of stores weren't even expecting was going to happen, Robert Kirkman went on Twitter and was kind of like showcasing the books. And the last book on the pile, you know, the reveal, was something he wasn't supposed to show. And it was a red foil variant. At least that's what we thought it was. Was it a prototype? Does it exist? Well, he said in this tweet that it didn't, but that gets people buzzing. It gets people excited. You know, is this a secret variant? He's done this kind of stuff in the past. Heck, some of our favorite like variants that have come out in this last year. Do you remember us talking about like Eric Powell doing secret variants? Yeah, he did a weird numbering change on one of the books. And then we also got uh, Mark Bagley who threw in sketches of original art in very select issues and passed them around the country. I mean, this is just nice, all right? We, I mean, shops are it's already difficult. We all know that. We can keep talking about it. But if you could just do a little something extra, something special for them, I mean, I think that's just fantastic, and um, it's really appreciated. Yeah, it goes a really long way. So the community is now hunting for a book that may not exist, and we actually saw a $1,000 sale for what looks to be a real copy that hit eBay, but I thought they didn't exist. But here's the thing. No information on the sale. People are actually even questioning if it's the real thing, but it has already like set a benchmark for this non-existent comic book. And we have just found out this past couple days that Robert Kirkman this week, like you're watching this video today. If we got it out on time, it's this weekend that he's going to be announcing how you can get more of these red foil variants. Apparently they exist and you can get them during this like virtual panels that they're going to be doing here this weekend. So they're calling this the Ruby foil and it's going to be available this weekend. Like you mentioned on the 18th and 19th during the sky bound Facebook event. So check it out. I don't know the details They're They're being very hush hush about it, but if you want any opportunity to get it for probably the least you're ever going to get it for, go check it out there. 
The suggestion is to follow Big Clutch on Twitter. This is one of the Skybound representatives. Apparently, he's going to be sending out some info on how you could possibly get your hands on a copy of this book. This was a key alert, by the way. Shout out to Key Collector Comics, the best comic book app that exists on the market. You can actually keep up with all of this comic book news and information by utilizing that code TOM101 for a free week available on both Android and iPhones. We know we're dealing with some strange times, so it's nice to see publishers and anybody really trying to virtually figure out ways to to work around what's happening currently in society. So they're doing this event this weekend, and the following weekend is already San Diego Comic-Con. So they're not even waiting, combining. They're like trying to hit you with as much as possible so you get as much as possible and can absorb all the great content coming from Skybound. Damn, they're going to have a busy month, man. They have their schedule packed full of doing content, whether it's with Walking Dead, Robert Kirkman just doing interviews. I mean, we're going to get to it in this video, comic fam, but it's cool to see that they're not just waiting around for pandemic to, to end. They're actively trying to make content for the community. I know you love your secret variants. You put in a peach mocha one for the mystery mail call. I did. I, did, I mean, man. you got to tell us about it because I haven't even seen it. All right, dude. I wait to the very, very end of sign up. If you want to help support the show, you can join the mystery mail call. It gives us an excuse to send you comic books every month. But aside from a Marvel exclusive that went out to every single member in July, we also sent out a secret variant wretches number one by peach Momoko and every member got a copy of it. So super excited that we were able to accomplish that. I have other secret variants in the pipeline. I'm just going to wait till last minute or not even mention it at all. You just have to join the community at ComicTom101.com. But we are currently in enrollment for August Mystery Mail Call. And you know what? We're going to show off today's cover right here, right now. We have next month, every member getting a Maestro number one Comic Tom exclusive only available in the Mystery Mail Call. That is awesome. I love comic books about symphonies. Nah, dude. I'm talking about the Hulk future imperfect we're gonna get into it but dude did you see the cover artist that we got yeah you got valeria gian giordano this artist is killing it right now at marvel he's fairly new to the marvel bullpen and when we had an opportunity to team up because they're doing an origin story of this world that peter david created and introduced us back in 1992 answering so many questions so stoked about it we'll get into it but Valerio has been killing it with his covers, and this guy does such amazing inks. Yeah, he's a really true up-and-comer, because when you look at the ink work alone and then throw in the colors that you're seeing with the artwork that's being uh, published, it's, it's really captivating. There's a lot of depth to it and a lot of life in these characters. Shout out to Rain Barreto who did the color work on our exclusive. But if we're going to give Valerio a real true highlight, we have to look at the work that he does best, which is this black and white. What he provided, those inks digitally. When you showed me this cover, and I did not know this artist, okay, or the colorist, but damn, okay, I'm swearing here, guys. Damn. It's got power. It's got motion. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I saw some other artwork of his black and white, too. And he had some Taskmaster artwork, which was really cool because you can really see in, in the uh, or just the black and whites, the, the depth of the mask, the hollowing of the eyes. It's so good. Both Taskmaster covers, when you remove the color, oh, my gosh, you see it for how 
he initially intended it to be. And seeing other artists get involved with it, it just creates something unique every single time. The characters have his flavor to it because it's his line work, but the colorists do their their spice to it, and it's just completely different. Now, we're talking about a Peter David run drawn by George Perez originally back in nine, in the early 90s. And I think it also fitting that Valerio does a fantastic maestra, as we now know, just like George Perez did, but he also does a kick-ass Taskmaster, just like George Perez did. That's ironic. It's that line work, you know. You saw, you see how, you know how great Perez's line so work so clean, is. dude. Right, and so th- his lines are different, but they they still feel very powerful and alive, and it just uh, it just works so well. They made it perfect for this cover, which I am so stoked about. So. For those of you who don't know about Hulk Future Imperfect, we don't want to spoil what is a very quick read for you. Came out in the early 90s. It's a short two issues. Amazing team up about a dystopian future, a, a different world per se, that was established by Peter David that introduced this version of the Hulk. Yeah, we kind of got this grandfather-looking Hulk, but it's it, it kind of plugs the initial beginnings of an immortal Hulk who just kind of lives on and lives on and still just as destructive and powerful and even more so powerful. Now, this is a world set up where in this future, this dystopian future, there's some type of like nuclear fallout. There's something that goes wrong that actually kills most of our heroes, near all of them, and sets up this version of the Hulk to become even more powerful from said radiation that is found everywhere. Now, the reason why I'm kind of pumped about chatting about this right now is that these are questions that people have had you know they've been hints in canon of what happened during this time this origin per se over the last mere 30 years but nothing definitive was actually written and next month peter david is hitting the word bubbles again he is actually writing out what happened? We are getting the origin in this issue one of Maestro. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to kind of find out. You know, it's kind of been in limbo for so long. We've seen the character Maestro pop in and out, you know, of, of comic books. But uh, it'll be fun to see because, I mean, we know how powerful Hulk and She-Hulk are at the moment. So, like, to try to put it into complete time frames and, you know, just equal strengths of what he was and where we are now. It's going to be interesting how they tie that all together. Yeah, considering we have now 30 years of added history and retcons that have taken place, it's going to be... I'm eager to find out the direction Peter takes us, but we are all so pumped to see him go right back into this world, right back into this story. I want to chat about the trophy room because we mentioned that the superheroes have fallen in this world. Now, we're not going to reveal how they've fallen because really we don't know. What we know is a little bit of information, but I digress because what we're going to show you is a trophy room in the pages of Future Imperfect because George Perez went on a creative spree when he had the opportunity to include whatever he wanted in this two-page spread. This is one of those great pages where you kind of lose yourself. You, you, you keep checking the, 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 the artwork. And you're like, what, what else do I see? What do I find? And there's a lot to go through here. We spent some time and like we kept finding something new. And it's like those images you would normally find where... You have like a uh, something hidden in a tree and those highlight magazines, you know, where you just as a kid used to look and get lost in them. And it's the same thing here, man. It's so much fun. We get to find all the heroes, all the villains and like who's here and who's not. Yeah. And we just get to ponder for near 30 years of the fate 
of these heroes and how they met their demise. And I just wanted to have like this authentic reaction with you, Jeff, because it's been a while since I've read this. So when pulling up this page, I found myself and I do this sometimes I get a little carried away in the scripting. And then I realize I got to save it for the mic. Like, let's just save it for the mic because I put this in front of you and you're like, oh, that's right. We have this. We got this. We got. I'm like, dude, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Let's just chat about what we see here because I totally forgot that George Perez drew Silver Surfer's board on the ceiling of this room. It's just battered. I mean, that's just one of the amazing aspects because if you look even deeper, I think we even see Silver Surfer's head in the background. Dude, I think that's his head in like a jar, man, next to some new mutants goodness. And like, what is that? Uh, Mr. X's chair. But like, what else do you see on this page, man? Because I looked it up, those bricks on the bottom, aside from them being part of the Avengers headquarters. Okay. That's something that George Perez specifically wanted to mention was that that was part of the building of the Avengers, that green brick right there is supposedly kryptonite courtesy of the colorist. Tom Smith, the colorist, did the work on it. And Thank you. I think he surprised George because he wasn't expecting that. Yeah, George would actually go like just nuts with this page because apparently he only had like, you know, seven things on his list that he had to include, including the adamantium skeleton of Wolverine there in the yellow. I mean, you have Thor's helmet, you got Thor's hammer, you got... I mean, you have an entire shrine of Cap, so look how much respect Cap has. He's got his shields, he's got masks, he's got a picture of Bucky. You even got an absorbing man ball in the corner. Dude, I'm loving these villains. You got Dr. Octopus's arms right there in the bottom right. You have the, you know, Cloak of Levitation. Shout out Dr. Strange. Comic fam, what else do you see on here? I missed on the bottom left. Look at it, that's Cyclops' visor. I completely missed that the first time seeing this page spread yeah i did not just you just pointed that out to me i I couldn't make out what that is but now i get it because i didn't i didn't understand what that was i thought it was maybe a little container but that's exactly what that is and i'll tell you my favorite i'm hoping that you're gonna remember because i almost forgot to mention it but this was the thing that like made me stop the video so i'm I'm wondering if you're gonna say i don't know if it's the same thing but for me it was that beast in the background that's it that's exactly what i was gonna say dude that made me stop and go oh my gosh we need to just talk about this on the mic explain what's right there okay so we have like the i don't know it almost looks like beast carcass without a head that's a that's like his skin dude his hide yeah it's not like a, a bear rug i mean it looks like it's almost like chained by the arms up so it's kind of a little messed up and you got beast's picture right there so that's definitely what it is he's like this is the beast's fur oh my gosh how like dark is this room comic fam what else do you see in this picture are you stoked about our variant cover are you stoked about peter david explaining more answering the questions we've had for years about this run have you read these two issues you got some homework to do if you haven't don't forget to stay to the end of the show for you audio only listeners because we have an after show and we're gonna be discussing some grails Yeah, for our audio-only listeners, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and we do a bonus show after the camera shut off. We keep the mics going, and I got a grail this week, so I'm pretty stoked to talk about it. I think what we got to chat about right now is San Diego Comic-Con 2020. We all know San Diego Comic-Con's been canceled in person. Every convention's been canceled in person. But we're going to go over 10 reasons why you can still enjoy SDCC virtually just as much. That's right. San Diego Comic-Con is not over this year. It's going to be virtual. It will be at home. And there's also a lot of different avenues on social media that you can get your Comic-Con 
fix that's going to be popping over this next week. So that's why we got to get this video out to you. Hit that subscribe button, comic fam. I want to remind you, we make a lot of comic book themed content throughout the week, and we want you here for the ride. Let's chat about number 10 on this list because, dude, it's free. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Did you say it's free? That's right. The first thing on this list is that it's a virtual con. Anyone can attend because it's going to be on YouTube. And let me explain this. So we all know it's expensive to get into San Diego Comic-Con. If you're even lucky enough to get a ticket, this gives people the opportunity worldwide to attend this convention. It's not the same. Okay. We all understand that. But this is a way where it levels out the playing field and gives you opportunity to experience everything the same way everyone else will. I want to give two quick points to this. The first, this may not be the only time that a convention will only be available to us virtually. So this right here, I look at as the pilot. It's the first. This is hyper important because the success of this could be the future roadblocks for other conventions that currently don't have stuff slated in the future. The second thing that I want to highlight is that this is an opportunity, as you mentioned, to get people who otherwise wouldn't attend to attend this convention and introduce them to this amazing community. Like you said, yeah, you get the stepping stones for the future potentially because we don't know how this is all going to last or, or what. It could be gone tomorrow. Who the heck knows? But yeah, conventions, pay attention. This may be really important for your future. Yeah, and let's pay attention to number nine because number nine is panels. That's right. Panels is a big part of the convention scene. It's not just about walking that show floor. No, we have rooms being rented out traditionally by all kinds of people. Historians, teachers, artists, writers, inkers. If you can think about it in the geekdom, there is a panel for it. And the San Diego Comic-Con is not letting you go without having any experience at all. There's over 350 panels that are going to be going on this weekend. And you know what show floor I have to walk to enjoy it? Hmm. I just have to walk my living room show floor. That's very true, man, because how much like walking do we typically have to do at a convention? It's, it's absolutely immense, and it's exhausting, and it's a long day, and everything here is on a planned schedule, okay? And you can just... Get some fresh air. You might even enjoy it more so because it's just less stressful, less tense. Some people have to then consolidate their family and they can't just enjoy it themselves. So this is a great kind of balance here where we can try something new and get the information we want. And I'm kind of excited to see how it plays out on this larger scale level of such a gigantic con. And we have other big cons coming this year. So it's this is not the only one who's going to have to try to figure it out. New York will do the same thing. Comic fam, I'll put in the description below links to all of this stuff so you can do your scheduling because it's all available for you to look through and see what you want to attend. I'm looking at Wednesday, seeing a ton of different lessons that you can learn how to like make comics, be introduced to like different mediums within the comic industry, possibly trades and hobbies that you could be introduced to. And Friday, what is this? Charlie Theron is doing a panel as well. We have major celebrities who are being involved. Yeah, I mean, everyone's coming out for this. So it's like we said, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be new. And um, it's going to be something for everybody. Friday at 11 o'clock, we have C.B. Sabolski, who is going to be doing a Marvel Comics next big thing. You're going to get the latest on Empire, and you know that they're going to be answering a lot of questions. It's these types of videos that are going to go viral in the community. If you're looking at, like, comic spec, you got to be watching. Now, if you're done listening to the audio side of stuff and you want to actually dive into purchases, they're going to have an exhibit hall. It's like, how is an exhibit hall going to work? 
I don't know how an exhibit hall is going to work, but they have it figured out somehow. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. We're supposed to have an artist alley still. Okay, we're supposed, still supposed to have uh, exhibitors. We're still supposed to have fan tables. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are still supposed to be there. So it's going to be um, exciting and it's going to be innovative, I'm sure. And somehow it's going to be submersive or immersive. Yeah, it's a link to the exhibit hall. And depending on the participants, this is the quote, that it's going to be filled with offerings, cross-section of exhibitors from all over the Comic-Con exhibit hall. You're going to find company listings, exclusive products for sale, promotional links, and a whole lot more. You're still going to have access to like your independent tables through this feed. The point is they're only going to have it from Wednesday to Sunday. So you got to stop in just like as if it was actually happening in San Diego. And here at number seven is a huge part of the con that most people spend days waiting for, battling in crowds, trying to get tickets, getting a ticket for another line and another line. And we're talking about exclusives here. So you just mentioned that that's available through the exhibitors. So here at seven, exclusives are going to still be an option. I mean, how great is that? You might be able to get an exclusive you want, again, from your living room. Yeah, a lot of these variants that get made, they're planned in advance. Remind you, I mean, heck, you typically set up at San Diego. When did you have to have your booth paid for? Oh, I signed up the for the next year after the con. That's so right. The con ends, and I'm already signed up for the following year. So like that's what it's like because it's so competitive. So these distributors still have their comics. Don't wait for the aftermarket. If you're available at any point this next week, you can score some exclusives. And if exclusive comic books isn't your thing, next on the list at number six, they're still doing merch. And that's a punchline shirt you can get. I think I may have to get that. Yeah, I mean, if you still feel that you want to be a part of 2020 SDCC, and you guys got to understand, this con has been around for 50 years. So this is going to be the first year they're not holding it. So like this is actually an epic moment. And if you want to memorialize that with some type of merchandise, a shirt, a, a fanny pack, a hat, whatever the heck they have, there's an opportunity for you. And you know what? That also reminds me about a historical fact. Back in 1978, I just want to plug this. They almost didn't have a convention because the person who was putting it on, the treasurer, got robbed and $12,000 was stolen. And they had to go around and collect that from the fans. So $12,000, it shows you how big this convention has grown. Okay, almost canceled that convention. If it wasn't for recapturing that through fans and like kind of just donating money. Yeah, without this virtual con happening, that this would be the one situation since that almost prevented San Diego Comic-Con from happening. Actually, the more I think about it, it was 1979. It was two years after I was born, guys, so dating myself there. Next on the list at number five, because we were chatting about still being able to, you know, have the convention happen and experience it, but at home. Yeah, we are talking about convention challenges that you can do at your house right now. Dude, this is talking about integrating you more so with this convention, which is really kind of fun because they have a contest for cosplay. We know how big cosplay is as a convention. Can you imagine not having to walk around all day in your cosplay to get the attention that maybe you want? I mean, you don't get to have the photos with everybody, and that's really fun and interactive and everybody enjoying it. But can you imagine putting on some type of cosplay and they capture that? I'm sure they're looking for content for this. So this might be your biggest opportunity to get yourself out there. Yeah, you may actually have a better shot at being seen on the Internet during this virtual con than just 
you know, meeting people one-on-one on the con floor, regardless of how fun it is to, to meet people on the con floor. We also have a sidewalk art challenge. So all you creatives who want to get your art featured, there's going to be a lot of eyes this next week, and this is a good opportunity to participate. And then they're also doing like a create your own Comic-Con within your home. You can like download PDFs of the banners, the signs, like legit parking signs that they would have had to use at San Diego Comic-Con. They're not letting that go to waste. You can print that from home and you can submit your own room and like your your area virtually and experience San Diego Comic-Con from your bedroom. Yeah, that's kind of fun, you know? I mean, it's just uh, another way that they're trying to involve everybody, which, again, I've said it a few times, I just feel like there's got to be new and innovative ways to... And some things will hit, some things won't, but it's still going to be fun to to see the creativity of the comic culture of what's out there. And the next one is number four. Since we are on the subject of things being virtual, I just want to let you know if you're into comic books in the slightest, next week's about to be lit on the social media platforms. If you're selling comic books, you're going to need to be selling them next week. You're going to see an increased activity on all social platforms. I am sure people are going to take this opportunity because more people are going to be in front of their computer screens at given moments from Wednesday to Sunday. So I'm sure Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, they're going to be streamings, they're going to be sales, There's, it's going to be all kinds of activities. So if you're around and you're available, check all your platforms, man, and make sure you're not missing an opportunity to pick up something that you really want for a really, you know, affordable or reasonable price. That's right. You know, you could also like support your local comic shop. You can support the creatives. You can support the dealers. There's a lot of different businesses that are going to be doing stuff. And that actually brings us to number three, supporting the creators. The creatives, the artists, the writers, the individuals, this industry, the, the dealers, the people who make it possible to, for you to enjoy the stuff that we enjoy. It's still possible this next week. Yeah, I mean, these are the people who get you excited about, you know, your, your collectible. And like you, a lot of people, when they attend, they want to pay that back. They want to pick up their, their new book or get an autograph or just say thank you. So this is a way to do it, to still support in both emotionally, both um, financially, and in any way you feel that's comfortable for you. Now, at number two, you know we're a comic channel, so we got to highlight some comic panels in particular because not only do we have, like, Robert Kirkman hitting the mic, we also have a comic historian, Danny Fingeroth, who's going to be doing a bunch of different topics, taking on a presentation covering, like, 80 years of a Golden Age hero, the spirit, one of your favorites. You know I love my golden age. If we're talking about the spirit, that's as classic as it gets. I love anything that's going to expose me and other people to that time frame. I'm also loving the next panel here, which is another golden age time frame. It's the wonderful, horrible history of EC Comics. Dude, we have a tribute to Dennis O'Neill that's going to be done this next weekend. And he's covering things like, you know, Howard Cruz, the godfather of queer comic books. We also have LGBTQ comics and other popular topics being discussed. And a lot of like different like major historical videos that are going to be taking place over this weekend. I'm stoked. And there's also a Skybound presentation that we were talking about earlier on this podcast. Image is not just going to be doing their expo this weekend they're going to be attending san diego comic-con it's nice to see publishers like marvel and image participate in the con virtually yeah and just make it a little more personal here we do uh, we did have an undiscovered country exclusive in one of our boxes and there's actually going to be a panel on that so i'm kind of excited to see you know 
the excitement of uh, where that story's going. Yeah, let's see what Scott Snyder has in store. He said he's going to be talking about the comic. Maybe he'll give us an insight of man, any option news, like what's going on with any of his other titles. Maybe we can get some Batman questions in there. I digress because number one on this list, Hall H is still happening. Like, let's just be real. We have announcements that everyone's waiting on. And I don't know about you, man, but there's like barely any coverage on any of the stuff that's actually happening. There's way more coverage of the fact that it was canceled. Oh, man, this is a big deal because, I mean, how many of us are just always refreshing screens or waiting with bated breath for the latest news of our heroes? Because that is exactly what's happening at Hall H, and that's exactly where we're going to get here. Okay, this is going to be really, really fun. Okay, I'm excited for this week. Whether I watch a panel or not, which I will be, but just to know that new information is coming out for us to get hyped about for the for the upcoming year, oh, man. Boom Studios has a presentation. They're going to be breaking news. We have Dynamite announcing crossover events, breaking news. We also have a look inside Marvel 616 on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we're going to get to find out some information on titles that have just been delayed and delayed and delayed all year. Yeah, I mean, that 616 alone gets you wondering. I mean, we're not talking multiverse here. 616 is the main earth here for the, our heroes. So, like, what, is that, what does that even mean? I mean, are they, are they like, are there other places that are going to be diverging and they're trying to keep this completely solo and solid? I, I don't even know, but I'm excited to find out. The 15th anniversary of Constantine is this year. So there's like a full Keanu Reeves panel about one of my favorite movies he's in that no one likes. But, you know, people are going to be asking about him reprising the role. You know, he really wants to do it. Let's watch what happens to Swamp Thing 37. And we also have the boys doing their own panel. We're probably going to get a sneak peek at season two. But I got to like bring attention to what Hulu Disney News yeah, Hellstrom is happening, and we're going to find out what's going on with this title. Yeah, this is supposed to be a, a horror-type concept. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see Disney going down a darker path. And we got the Son of Satan, for crying out loud, as one of the characters alone. So, I mean, I'm excited to hear what they're going to do. How dark are they really going to get? Yeah, we just got to sit back and watch from our couch and see what announcements happen. I hope that there's more stuff that gets revealed between now and next week, but so far, so good. I like what I'm seeing. I'll remind everybody, hit the link below, go follow SDCC here on YouTube, but go also check the website out so you can do some planning. You're going to be able to hit a lot more stuff from your home this year than any convention you'd ever attend. Yeah, guys, remember it's new. It's going to be innovative. And just like in real in real life or just when you're in person, keep it positive, make it fun, you know, and um, have a great time at the con. Oh, and what? We got Fire Guy Ryan in the house. Hey, it's me. Hey, Tom. We have some updates this week, don't we? We do. You love Key Collector. I enjoy it. It's a good app. Even if you're not like a hunter, I'm not a Craven the Hunter of comic books. I'm a Craven the... Collector and sweater, <laughs> craving the sweater, <laughs> craving the guy who has a pull list and just goes and gets his comics and doesn't like go like hunt for back issues and stuff. Yeah, that's me. Well, I wanted to get you here today to chat about the ups, like some cool stuff that happened this week because we were chatting, going through Key Collector, and it's like, oh my gosh, there's this update, there's this random comic book. Did you see this? And it's one of those times where it's like, stop chatting, save it for the mic. Let's just dish because I'm also thinking 
because so much stuff happens in the market and on this app, stuff goes missed so much. I want to just highlight some cool stuff. Something that I really enjoy about Key Collector, probably the most, honestly, is the key alerts. So like, I'll just be on my phone for whatever reason and a, a notification will pop up and it'll tell you some cool some cool comic information. It's just like, oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. I got a <laughs> notification yesterday about some polybagged comics that weren't bagged correctly. Or... Yeah, shout out to Boom's erotic publication section of the company. We have a key alert for a possible pending recall. But here's the thing. This isn't so much of a spec announcement as it is just a funny story because you were actually at Mill Geek yesterday helping, right? I was. I'm there Tuesdays helping get everything bagged and boarded. And I came across this particular comic that was incorrectly polybagged. Why do distributors want to make sure to polybag their erotic comic books? Because if there's naughty images on there, you want to make sure it's already in a bag that obscures the cover. So you can't really tell yeah like what's on there at the very least blocking the key parts of that cover that makes it so seductive here's the thing that polypack was on wrong they put the comic book backwards backwards in it because yeah when i was putting the book into the bag and the board i noticed the back of the book and there's a lot happening back there so to speak (laughs) and it's uh I'm glad we were bagging and boarding them because now, uh, at least in Mill Geek Comics, the back <laughs> of the book is now invisible because there's a board back there. But if there was not, you would be seeing a lot of things. <laughs> you see a lot of things. Comic fan. That's why you have to be up on your key alerts. This is a real thing that happened yesterday for Ryan. He mm-hmm. got a kick out of it. So here's another fun aspect of Key Collector is that you have categories. All these different buttons on the app are categories themselves, but you have way more than what's on that home screen. You actually can go pretty much shopping. There's so dang many. You can scroll, scroll, scroll because there's a button that says category right on the main page. However, there is a nudity category yes. that I felt like we should talk about today because I got Ryan on the mic and you're telling me that you had fun with this comic book yesterday. I did. I had yeah. so much fun. Were you just, were you really sweaty as well? Yes. You, was it as hot as it is in this room? No, not as hot, but it was, it was getting there. It, it was, was getting steamy. steamy. Thank you, Boom Studios. <laughs> you're, you're doing so much up the for the back room at the comic shop for me. Shout out Arun. All right. No, but for real though, in this category of nude comics, there's a handful of books that you gotta know. You got to. You gotta you, know. You gotta know. But for key reasons. There's re- good reasons. So that way when your parents get mad at you for learning all this, you can say, no, mom, these are key books. Okay. <laughs> this isn't just nudity for nudity's sake. I'm learning. Is that what you told your mom about these comics? I did. I told her this whole story about Milky Comics and Faithless and Polybags, and she got all mad. And I was like, no, Mom, I'm learning. (laughs) No, Mom, I'm learning. Oh, my gosh. Well, why don't we take this time to learn some more? (laughs) Let's just talk about Jungle Comics 98. Ryan, Uh, explain to the comic fam why they need to know about this comic from the 1940s, because you're probably not going to find it on The Hunt. But you need to know it because it's freaking ridiculous why it's a key. But it is a key. It bugs me because we end up talking about this guy like at least a couple times a year. He just comes back around. He's a buddy. Yeah. He'd be part of our squad. No, he wouldn't. He'd be the guy that's like, why didn't you invite me to the party? He'd be the guy knocking on the garage door out here trying to get us to, you know, quiet down in there. Something. (laughs) His name's Frederick Wortham. (laughs) Yes. We're making this way more elaborate than we need to. His name is Frederick Wortham. And he wrote a book called Seduction of the Innocents, which was basically a book that said comic books are lame. They are turning our kids 
into warped mind little deviants. And because of this, we should just burn all the comics. But specifically, there's a handful of books that he wanted to highlight and he used as example. And this is a comic book that he did. Can you see it, comic fam? Can you see the filth? The sin? Repent. (laughs) Well, that was good. That was good, Tom. Thank you. Putting the fear of the guy of the Lord into me. What was drawn? Honestly, I didn't know. You had, you you showed me this picture and like right up in my face, and I'm like, oh, that's someone's shoulder. Oh no, there, there's like a smiley face on the shoulder, or is that like a, just a a triangle? No, Frederick Wortham was like, no, 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 this is a nude image in his shoulder. He's serious too. I I don't know, man. I feel like there's some Sigmund Freud stuff in there. Like it might be saying more about Frederick Wortham than it is about you know whatever stuff is actually in the comic books. Is it a shoulder? Or is it the lower part of the female anatomy? Comic fam, we need to know your thoughts in the comment section below. But not before we talk about your favorite, Ryan, Batman Damned. <laughs> it's not my favorite. It's a very good comic. It's a beautiful comic. Yes. Beautiful panels. Beautiful spreads. Beautiful art. We're adults. <laughs> <laughs> when it came out and we found out about how great of a comic this was. Yes. And how it was popping but not because of nudity. It was popping because it was like, this is what we want. We want mature. It's like, this is what the black label should be. And Russ brought it home. He brought home like three copies from the comic shop. And he's like, oh my God, you guys, this is the coolest comic I've ever read. And you guys need to read it right now. He's like, oh my God, oh my God. That's what he did. He was he, freaking out, man. Just like that. Yep. yep. He came in here and he was bouncing around and he had us, he handed us a few copies. And yeah. He's like, he gave you a copy. He gave me a copy. And then he um, was like half reading it with both of us. And then we're like, oh, did you can see this one? Did you see this one? But you know, the thing we didn't do is we didn't like hold up. Ah, Bruce Wayne's penis is in this page. Yeah, I'm sitting we here and we, I turn the page and it's like, oh, there's a dick in this book. But that was it, right? The, oh, like, oh, there it is. We're like, oh, that's weird. It is mature, right? They said, be ready. Sure. It's going to be real. You're going to see all of Bruce Wayne in this book. But that night we went, the, we hit the mic and we were just chatting about how awesome this comic book was and how, how mature it is and how dark it is and how much we want to see more. Right. Who knew that that night it would blow up on the internet. This was a major thing, so much so that DC thought about censoring it. Oh, they did, man. You can't get that Batwang anymore. It's long gone. They never brought it to second print, I don't believe. I think they just added more shadows. Yeah, they like darkened it or something. Like for the trade and the hardcover, it's like you can't see it. It's Correct. just a really shadowy room now instead of vaguely shadowy penis. Batman Damned was crazy. But another book that we got to chat about is one that a lot of people don't know caused a ruckus back in 2013. We're talking about Saga issue number 12. Now, this is kind of a random thing, Ryan, but I know you know those pages well. Brian K. Vaughn's one of my all-time favorite writers. You introduced me to this series. This was part of our, like, hey, you read Chew, and I think you gave me Saga in exchange. I'm like, you got to read this, Rob Gilroy. Yeah, you gave me Trench, too. You're like, dude, you're going to love Aquaman by the end of this. Um, So what we did is we traded, and I fell in love with the work. So I know you know it well. You know, Fiona Staples is like one of my all-time favorite artists, uh, modern artists, that is. She's pretty cool. It's freaking dope, dude. Now, t- if I told you that issue 12 had censorship problems, nudity censorship types of problems, what would be the f- your gut response? My gut response is I uh, thought there was like nudity in every issue of Saga. Like, it's not a very family-friendly book, even <laughs> though it's about a family in a way. Absolutely. I mean, heck, on page one of issue one, you're hit with, with nudity. I mean... I believe you're hit with nudity, but it's like within the first couple pages. Yes. And every issue, therefore, after has a bunch of nudity in it as well. So what happened at number 12? Well, in issue 12, there is a scene. and You have uh, the, what is it, robot? King robot? Prince, Prince robot. robot. Yeah. We have Prince robot who is 
got this like television on his head and the screen plays things that he's thinking and there is pornography that plays on his screen in this issue. Now, if you read prior issues or even later issues of Saga, as Ryan just alluded to, you'd be like, really? That's, that's what got you to ban this? Yeah. But here's the thing. Let me tell you about how far censorship went in just 2013. Apple, as a platform, iOS, I'm not talking about comiXology. I'm not talking about like, like an image app or like, like, like one company who has an app that banned this comic for this reason. Apple, as a company, banned this issue from iOS. If you had an Apple phone, you're not reading this comic book. How crazy is that? It's just going to throw uh, holes in people's collections for no real reason either because those flashes on his screen are, are flashes. They're quick. They're one little panel. Like, it's not in my head. It's not. I didn't even remember this. Like, that when you told me something happened in issue 12, it's like, uh, what? Is that the issue with the giant orgy that happens? I remember that. See, it's not even that. <laughs> no. It's like, there's no, that's, that's fine. That's fine, Ryan. Yes. But you get one flash of a, of a homosexual engagement encounter of some kind. And nope. No Saga 12 for you, Apple kids. <laughs> Apple kids? Well, it's mature content, Ryan, so no Saga 12, no Saga for the kids at all. No. The problem is we were supposed to have learned this lesson back in, like, the 50s and the 60s with the Comics Code Authority. And, True. like, yep. you know, you're not allowed to put this in the comics or that in the comics. And, you know, if you do this, you're going to warp the, ch- the children. Like, no. If that, was, if that was in place now, then we wouldn't have had Saga to, to start with. And the world would be a much worse place. It's important to recognize these types of censorship situations because this is as far as it can go. Like Saga is one of the most popular independent titles of all time. One of the highest selling trade paperbacks. And that's something that store owners will tell you proudly across the country. And this is an issue that was banned from what half of cell phone carriers in the United States. It's kind of a I'm I'm a classically uh, pro digital comics person, but this is a good argument for having a single issue of this in your short box and they can't they can't come in and take your comics out of your out of your boxes, you know, this is still America. This is actually almost verbatim what Brian Kavon said. He's like, "Yo, if you are digital, sorry about my Apple users, but Go to your LCS. Go see if it's on the shelf. Support your shop. Like, yeah, it, it matters. And that's what he said. And he said, they're not changing a damn thing. So they're going to keep writing what they did. And that was back in 2013. Seven years go by. Still waiting on new issues. But when it comes back, it's coming back mature as ever. Good. Needs to be exactly as it was. And this is an example of an issue, Saga 12, that it doesn't get sold for much more than cover price. But it's this history that as it gets rediscovered maybe new things that happen in the market resurface it brings up old history it comes back to life saga becomes a pop more popular than it already is title if there's option news what are people gonna spec on what are people gonna look at this is one of the very few issues that has any press on it a saga cartoon would look so cool though oh, dude it would a saga cartoon would be so dope Comic fam, did you enjoy this little section we added? It's key collector updates, stuff that's going on on the app that's causing conversation amongst friends. This is one of those examples that I had to bring to the mic. And you know what? If you enjoyed it, we're going to come back next week because you know Nick over at Key Collector is adding so much valuable information to the app. I don't know how he sleeps. We're going to be back here again in a week talking about nudity again. That's right. So hit that subscribe button and we'll see you again very soon. Naked.
Comic fam, thanks so much for watching the video today, for supporting the show. Make sure to comment. Make sure to like and subscribe. We make a lot of comic book-themed content throughout the week. And shout out to Nick Pryor, the giveaway winner from last week. We got some Immortal Hulk goodness that's going to be sent to you. Yeah, I'm excited to pack that up. Also, you got to make sure you do one last thing. Geek responsibly. Enough said. This is the after show. We're talking about Grails, my brother. How are you doing, Jeff, the Golden Age Guru? All right, we're jumping right into it. I see, I see, I see. So after show, huh? Um, grails are great, man. I love my grails. I hope I love. It sounded like you grails. said girls, dude. Your grails? I found my grail girl. Thank you very much. What's your grail girl? <laughs> oh, your wife. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> your wife is your grail. I like that. That's a nice thing to say. Uh, what is your grail? I mean, like we have a lot of new followers, a lot of new members, right? And we chat about owning expensive collectibles, ones that we trade up, ones that we really strive to get, ones that are expensive. Sometimes people go, what the heck? Sometimes our girl grails go, what the heck did you spend that money on? Like we all have those stories about our collectibles. I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to know some of your grails. I get asked that a lot, man. I try to keep stuff kind of quiet because it's uh, it's one of those things, you know, when you, certain people know you got certain books or just books in general, you know, you get bugged. Your friend bugs you. You know, it's like, hey, can you let go of that X Men two sixty six? You know, or like they know that you have it. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll trade you, you know, five books of garbage for your, you know, your book, and it's just, it's just easier. But uh, yeah, Grails, man. Look, they come out any which way, so you always got to be ready to jump on a Grail. Isn't that how that happens? It does. It never is when you're like planning it and it's convenient. It's always a oh, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Make it happen. What do you got going on in your day? You got to figure it out now because it may be another decade if you'll be in this position and it may be double the price. Yeah. Whether you're at a con, whether your neighbor, you know, has it or, you know, uh, Goodwill all of a sudden walk in there or something. You never know where it's going to pop up. And, you know, obviously people don't have just one grail. There's lots of books out there that you're going to want to own. So, yeah, just be ready and know a good deal. Okay. If it slaps you in the face because I've lost deals by trying to be cute with the pricing. When you know, and the you know, when you when you see it, you just got to be able to jump on it, be happy you did. That may even be part of like this. I think on this show, we need to start like defining things. Like I, I'm making my attempt at defining a cameo versus full appearance. Like I've gone out of my way to like throw the Hulk 180, 181 benchmark on the screen. I'm trying to make that a thing. There's terms in this community that we all have to kind of just agree to adapt so that when these when this market is created we have things to follow there's got to be rules in place we're dealing with expensive paper it doesn't even make sense to a degree but this is art so we got to treat it as such and when we're talking about this particular term the grail it's almost always the same that that moment that you define that grail like when that hits it's something that you didn't anticipate and you have to jump on then and there 99% of the time, there's no fumbling. There's no putting the comic down and walking to the other side of the room and then coming back and picking it back up to resume the purchase. It's no, oh, I'm going to put a best offer in and wait. No, no, no. Your grail is you're securing it for whatever cost that is. And the difference in what you may have been able to save, that's the cost of the grail. Like that's part of the definition. Yeah, it's, that, that's correct. Like if you're trying to find something rare, and it's there, and you have that opportunity to obtain it, then, yeah, you, you got to jump on. If it's a common grail, and the grail is the fact that it's so expensive, like any Silver Age book, you can find any Silver Age book at any time of the day that you want to find it. But the, the price point, you got to know when you're ready, like what number that is in that, that 
great and just be able to jump on it because if you don't, somebody else will, I promise you. So sometimes like that's what I was saying about being too cute because if you you see that Spidey 3, okay, I'm not even going to a number one. I'll go to Spidey 3 and it's, you know, I have a VG and it's maybe priced 20% below market. You know, yeah, yeah, you might grit your teeth because you feel like you want a better deal, but you know what? You know you're up already. So buy the book, be happy you got it for a deal, and then if you ever see an upgrade, you can always sell that and know you're up at least 20% on the next purchase. Or, or you know, just you you play with it. You, you just gotta get in sometimes because it, it is an investment. You know it's going to go up. These comics will go up. We know that. If you have a million dollars, you put a million dollars in comics today, you know you will get a return 10 years from now. Depending on what you invest in. If you're doing Turok ones, uh this, this example isn't going to work. But if you're talking about Silver Age, yeah. Like, look at the market. Yeah. I mean, if you put your money in books that you should be putting your money books into, which are just more tried and true collectibles. And I guess, yeah, just to make sure you're not going to And we're buy. talking about grails, you know. We're talking yeah, about grails these big grails are keys, things. you know, yeah. real keys that stand the test of time. Then you, you, sh- you will be secure. I mean, I, I do that. A lot of people have done that. And if you watch the numbers for decades, that's, you've seen nothing but growth and pretty exponential good growth. So um, I recommend doing your research, know your numbers, know the market, and be ready to jump on something and not hesitate. So my grail that I've been hunting for is one of the first ones I added to my list was a 30 Days a Night Spiral Bound Edition. And I had been waiting. I mean, I have the save search on my eBay Form, you know, you can save your eBay searches and have it notify you. And I recommend that for those who are actively looking for grails or difficult to find books. This particular spiral has eluded me for upwards of seven years. It's the first appearance. And the rumor was that there were under like 3,000 made, probably closer to 1,000. And I would say that the win of getting this grail was, oh man, it, it's, a, it's a really good feeling. There's a difference between buying a quote grail and getting your grail. Because your grail is subjective. Your grail is that book that's going to make you the the guru happy, not so much you as a dealer who's going to move that and do something. I'm talking about like the book that you're not going to sell again. Like this is your book because you know you're not going to see it again. Like your personal grail. This is my moment. And I had that with this book. It's so cool that I acquired it. And the main thing, because I talked about this on Instagram, go check that video out. You know, I actually did an unboxing of it. Um, this would have been posted this week. It's, you know, July 15th right now that we're recording this. So you can go, go through my Instagram to hunt for the video. It's on my IGTV. But I show pictures of the book. We go through it. It came with a letter from the publisher saying that it was actually one of 100 made, probably less than 100. So we broke news by me getting this grail. It's a perfect situation on this book that I got. But the main point of why I wanted to bring this to the mic, and this is kind of like the the thesis to that video that I was trying to make, is that you got to be ready for it. That when it comes down to it, you got to be ready. And if it's not just cash, it's got to be in other inventory. It's in potential trade. And that's what got me into a position where I could actually be ready for this to happen and to move and to acquire it the day of. Because I personally am not a big fan of like treating myself. You're not going to find me just like shopping for thousand dollar books on the con floor unless there's a purpose. Am I doing something for the mail call? Am I doing something for a giveaway? I buy these things with purpose. But when it comes to my personal collection, I'm trading up. I want to like I know what comics I have and 
I'm trying to move them so that I'm always in the green in this hobby because I don't want to put my mortgage payment into a book. No, I want it to fund itself because those are the best hobbies, right? And it, and it makes it so much more fun when you have the wins. And in this particular case, I traded up and I wanted it to be an example for the community that you won. You got to be prepared for it because if you're not prepared, it's not going to happen. And that's what a lot of people say is, how does it happen? Like, how do you get the books you get? How often do you get that question, Jeff? Like, you're the guru. How often do people go, how do you even get that book? Well, it's, it's decades of work. Yeah, it's decades of work, decades of experience. Um, you know, you can absolutely and should be, you know, as fiscally responsible as you, you can be. I mean, it, it's nice to work up that path. I mean, I used to sling dollar books. That's how I started. That's how everybody, I started, too. Everybody, I slinged dollar books. I... You weren't gifted an estate sale and just sold no. one book and bought a collection and you're actually like haven't actually moved up. No, you, you bought dollar bin books. I started from the ground up. I bought books. I bought collections. I sold dollar books and realized this is not what I want to do. I want to go from quantity to quality. And that took time and experience and knowledge. And eventually I've gotten to where I've gotten, but I've been doing it for a long time now. So it's a path you can definitely follow. But it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of passion. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not just doing it to do it. I have a lot of passion for it. So for me, it's fun and not just work. But it's not like that for everybody. And that you sometimes you just want the book. So if you can, if you're in that position where you need to work up to it, then absolutely, that's the best way to fund itself. And a lot of people do that. And if you're in that position where you can just buy the book you want to buy for a reasonable price and you're happy because it's market and you know it's a long-term thing for you and it fills that gap, more power to you. Everyone's got their own different trail, different path they follow. God bless everybody who collects modern to golden age. I don't, I don't judge what you collect. Just collect and enjoy the hobby um, and support anybody else who's doing it and don't um, try to put standards on other people and what they should. Just... Um, like I said, everyone starts at some point in this collectible, like people's golden age when they were, you know, 80 years old were reading golden age comics. But at that time, that was modern comics, guys. So like, you know, my modern comics were the 80s when I was reading them, you know, and people from the 70s and 60s thought that was trash. People in the 70s, I'm sure thought, you know, the 60s collectors thought 70s books were trash probably in the 70s. So it's just kind of what it is. Enjoy the hobby is the number one thing, man. Just get in. Support each other, get in, and you'll eventually push your way back because you just do. Yeah, you push your way back or you push your, your way towards a, a a taste of collecting that may have been uh, a, a foreign taste that you've never had before. Like it literally could be something that you never knew. You may fall in love with a character after three years and now that's what you that's what you want to know. That's what you want to collect. Kind of happened with me with a couple different characters. You know, it's all about that feeling of success, dude. Because how good does it feel at the end of that hard work to win? I mean, to win in anything is just a good feeling, let alone comics, because it's but like comic winning. Yeah, comic winning alone is tough because it's not so much that you beat somebody, but you actually acquired something that you can appreciate and look at and flip through and you truly understand like the value and or scarcity of something or the sentimental feeling it gives you, even though it's just stuff. Some people might say it's just stuff, but regardless, it, it gives you a feeling of some kind that's generally positive and something you like. So I'm all for those just getting those those wins in comics that you, that, you know, everyone really needs. You really need those to keep you going, too. 
So I, I feel like if you don't get those wins and you feel somehow that you're always getting beaten down, then it's, there's something you need to change. So just, yeah, getting wins, and everyone gets them, man. You put yourself out there, you will get a win. I mean, I don't know how many people have found comics in walls and floors and trash bins or, like, I know people Rod who... Rod sales, Yeah, man. they never believed they would have a certain book, and next thing you know, they have a certain book or they have a massive collection. You know, it just it happens to a lot of people. So either on a gar- large scale, small scale, it's going to happen. So just keep at it, enjoy it, and uh, don't throw too many expectations because that's stuff that's going to let you down just stick with it and you'll get your wins it's a fun hobby comic fam we appreciate you we'll talk to you very soon